Elvis. Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis Productions. Dear Young Rocker, you're about to have a pretty transformative experience that you'll remember for the rest of your life. It's your first ever of many, many VFW shows to come, and it's where you'll be touched for the first time by your greatest love. I'm talking about the bass, of course. The less important romantic stuff will come later, but this moment is key to you becoming who you are. You have an extremely deep connection to music, mentally, emotionally, and even physically. You'll find many of your needs and cravings for connection fulfilled in a thing that is a lot less likely to be confusing or dangerous than if you were looking for it in other people. You're independent and creative, and so you look inside yourself into music for these things instead. That's a good thing, mostly. Connecting with other human beings is, of course, still important, and that will happen too. Soon enough, those who want you to fulfill their needs are going to seek you out, and some innocence will be lost. A lot of amazing discoveries and incredible mistakes are about to be made. I'm probably still making them now, and maybe old lady Chelsea will tell me about them someday. Watch out for dear old rocker in 2060. Anyways, go out there in the world and fail, kid. Over and over. Because as I like to say, you only learn how to do it right by doing it wrong a hundred times first. I'm staring out the back window into the darkness between the trees. Jillian's mom is driving us out to North Brookfield. It's in the boonies, as my mom would say. We're driving down a really long road, up and down hills and around curves, with nothing but deep woods on each side and occasionally a house. We pass the one and only gas pump in the town. We're going to see some bands play at the North Brookfield VFW. One of the bands is friends with Jillian's older brother. She has a bunch of siblings, unlike me, and they all seem to be way older or way younger. Jill and I used to be really good friends before she changed schools. I liked how her house seemed to always have kids running wild, getting dirty, and making all kinds of messy projects. My house is just my mom and me, and it's usually pretty quiet and boring. We pull up to the center of North Brookfield in front of the VFW building, and it looks like we're in the 60s. All the buildings are brick or white, and the two stores have old yellow signs. We go in and up the stairs to an ugly brown wood panel room with fluorescent lights. The floor is sticky. I kind of look around, but mostly at the floor. I'm afraid of making eye contact with kids I don't know, or really like anyone. It feels kind of awkward since no one's here yet. So I decided to go in the bathroom for a while to be alone. There's toilet paper all over the floor, but none on the roll, so I'm glad I didn't really have to pee. I come out and watch one of the bands unpacking some drum stuff. Some kids walk over and ask them where they're from. I think I hear them say they're from Virginia, or maybe it's Vermont. I want to hear more, but I don't want to get close enough to be in the way. I kind of want them to know I play bass. 
I'm impressed by the idea that they're on tour. Packing up amps and drums and instruments in a car and driving for hours with your friends to play for people you don't know sounds like a dream. I imagine telling people, I'm going on tour with my band and how cool I'd look. Soon the room gets really packed with kids. It starts to smell like bad breath. I wish they could open a window in here. I end up getting squished right next to the bass amp facing the drummer. There's a table behind me, so I can't back up. My body is only about two feet from the band and the music. The first band starts to play, and they're a lot better than I expected. It's like a real band. I really like the groove the bass and drums are creating. Because I'm standing so close, the reverberations from the bass drum and bass amp travel through the floor, into my feet, and up into my lower body. I feel the bass drum in my guts and my hips. And I feel the bass now it's touching me in a place I've never felt touched before. My breathing gets all tight, like when I'm nervous, but it's not a bad feeling. The bass player is tall and broad-chested. He has reddish facial hair, almost a beard. I kind of like how he looks. He's playing slowly and tastefully, letting each note fill up a space in the air and one inside of me. My body begs for each next note. My legs start to feel achy, and I lean back against the table behind me. I close my eyes, and I see and somehow feel the color black. A deep, sticky darkness takes me over. I think about the blackness of the deep woods. The bass notes create this pressure like an invisible body against my own. I try to make my movements imperceptible as I rock my hips toward the sound. My head starts to feel light like I'm going to pass out. But not like I'm sick, it's nice somehow. I don't really know what's happening to me, but I think I like it. I let the baseline take me away. After that show, I knew I needed to get in a band. I'm in ninth grade now, and there's thousands of kids at my high school. Some of them must play music, but since I don't know how to talk to anyone, I don't know how it's going to ever happen. My only friends right now are Colby and Roya. I don't really see either of them a ton because we have different classes and since the high school has like 2,000 kids, there's four different lunch times and ours almost never line up. I see Roya more often, but just like Colby embarrassed me in middle school, Roya's starting to do that too, but for different reasons. She's just really into boys and trying to get attention from them. One day I was walking down the hall and Roya came running at me with her giant silver backpack bouncing up and down on her back. I have a boyfriend, Chelsea, I have a boyfriend. I thought to myself, isn't this the exact opposite of how you're supposed to act if you get a boyfriend? How uncool. I hated that she was potentially drawing attention to me too. I had been doing so well at not being noticed. I actually had a boyfriend for like three days, but I didn't even want one. This kid named Tony in my physics class who played guitar in an emo band asked me out on AIM. He combs his hair over his eyes and wears those super tight skinny jeans and even has a messenger bag. I didn't really think he was cute or funny or even smart, but he liked me and I had found someone who played music, so we talked about guitars and stuff. We went to see the movie School of Rock together, and we held hands during it. It felt sweaty and weird. 
The next day at school, we were in the hall with Roya when the bell rang, and she said, Kiss your boyfriend goodbye. I said I didn't want to because I just ate Cheetos, so it would be gross, and then I'm not into PDAs. I was afraid I'd do it wrong, too, since I still never kissed anyone, even though I've read this article in 13 Magazine about first kisses about 100 times. Soon enough, Tony found a cooler girl who knew how to make out, and they did, in front of me, all the time. After our big breakup, we were still friends, and I even got my mom to drive the three of us to a concert Tony and his new girlfriend wanted to go to. And they just stuck their tongues down each other's throats in my line of vision while I was trying to watch the band. Ew. When Tony had called me to say he was going out with Mel now, I guess I'm uh, kind of breaking up with you. I told him to watch out because I'd write a song about him. I was kind of mad, but I wasn't heartbroken or anything since I never even had a crush on him. I tried to make myself cry after I hung up the phone because that's what you're supposed to do when you get dumped, but it didn't work. His face was covered in zits anyway. There's no way I'd be able to talk to someone I really liked. And that was pretty much the only time anyone ever noticed me. Not being noticed is kind of my greatest skill. I use it during lunch. Here's today, for example. I walked into the huge room with all the six-person circular tables. I looked around without turning my head to see if there was someone I knew, but I'm so afraid of making eye contact that I don't look directly at anyone, so I might have missed someone. I thought I saw some kids from my health class, and I almost stopped for a second, but I couldn't think of any cool or funny things to say to them, and I didn't want to just sit down quietly like a weirdo. So I tried to look like I was headed somewhere else and kept walking. I gave up looking for people after that and did my invisible thing. I made an effort to draw my energy in. I shrugged my shoulders up and imagined my presence shrinking so that no one would have to see me at all. You know how sometimes you can tell someone's looking at you or standing behind you without seeing or hearing them? It's like an energy thing coming from the other person. Well, I have the ability to turn that off. When I do it, no one even looks at me. I did it today so well that a kid walked right into me face first. I was invisible. After I found a table with no one at it, I picked up my gross circular pizza. I thought about how my invisible skill is one part of it, but I've also changed how I dress since middle school. I make sure what I wear doesn't draw attention to me or put me in any particular group. I've stopped wearing my big platform shoes and super wide Jinko jeans and plastic chokers and bracelets and dyeing my hair blue. When I get dressed in the morning, I usually go through about five shirts before I pick one. And I imagine what people would think. If I chose a polo shirt, the kids that play in bands will think I'm preppy and stuck up. But if I pick that black band t-shirt, the normal kids are going to think I'm trying to look goth. I don't want people to think I'm trying to be in any particular group, because that's weak. It's a cop-out. It means you can't think for yourself, so you just put on the uniform of whatever clique you want to belong to and say what you're supposed to say. I'm above all that. Fashion is so phony, it's just people copying each other to try to look cool. Just as lame as those stupid families that go on family walks, holding each other's hands around our neighborhood, and have family game night and stuff. Me and my dad always say, family walk, family walk, when we see them going by our house. 
almost as bad as going to church. Blah. Bunch of stupid sheep people. They just want to be in a dumb gossip group like the cliques at my school and probably don't even care about God that much. Pathetic. After lunch on the way back to class, the thing happened again. I don't tell anyone about this because it's super embarrassing. So I start walking out of the cafeteria and down the hall toward my history class. It's like a mile walk, seriously. I was in the corridor alone since I left lunch early. As I walked down the hall, I saw a classroom door ahead on my right. I could hear that there were students in there rustling around. They were about to be dismissed for the next lunch block. I knew that they'd probably start coming out of the room when I walked by. It's about to happen and I can't stop it, I thought. As I approached the door, a kid slowly walked out while looking back for his friends. I jumped and gasped really loudly as if a screaming man with a gun had just snuck up and burst out in front of me. But even though I knew the kids were coming out when I walked by, I couldn't stop it. I try to prepare myself, but it still happens. It's even worse when I walk by the elevator and the door opens. All the muscles in my body contract so hard, it actually kind of hurts, especially my ab muscles. Maybe it's a workout at least. I could use that. I lost some of the weight I gained in middle school, but not really. I still feel fat. My mom says, 10 more pounds and you'll be perfect. Once I lose it, somehow, I'll probably be more okay with wearing more interesting outfits and being less invisible. Real people scare me, but I'm pretty good at talking to people on the internet because they can't see me. So that's where I tried to find a band in eighth grade. One day after school, I went online and clicked onto the Smashing Pumpkins fan forum, and I saw someone said they live in Worcester, Massachusetts. I couldn't believe it. He said he played guitar, too. I didn't think anyone else around here knew the Smashing Pumpkins. Well, besides Colby, but just because I showed them to her. I immediately sent him a message and gave him my AAM name, Silverbase18. Soon, a new window popped up. It was him. I started feeling sweaty. He said his name is Dave, and we talked about our favorite Smashing Pumpkin songs. He was in 10th grade, but I was still in 8th. I lied and told him I was supposed to be in 10th, but I uh, had to stay back a year because I failed art class, so I was in 9th grade. I knew I didn't talk like an 8th grader, so maybe he'd buy it. We just talked about whatever. TV shows and other bands and what we ate for dinner and stuff. He had to go after a while. I was smiling so much. After that first time, I waited every day after school and AIM for him to come on. I tried to wait for him to say hi first so I wouldn't look too desperate, but sometimes I couldn't wait. Eventually, Dave told me he wanted to get a band together to play a battle of the bands at his school. I immediately said I'd play bass. I said I had a drummer who's in eighth grade, which was sort of true. I knew a kid in my grade played drums, but I had never talked to him. Dave said, middle school? That's like too young. My heart sank. I knew it wasn't going to work out, but I dreamed about it anyway. I imagined him coming over my house and us playing along to some of my favorite songs together. We'd be best friends. 
Then I imagined hugging him goodbye. I thought about how amazing it would feel just to be close to someone who gets it. The next day in science class, I told my friend Roya all about Dave. Yeah, so I met this guy online. He's older. He's like kind of my boyfriend. I was kind of bragging. I said we were going to hang out and play music. He was going to come pick me up in his car. I just wanted to impress her because I knew she was boy crazy. I really was interested in Dave because of the music, but I knew she'd be impressed that I got the attention of a 10th grade guy. When I got home, both of my parents were there. Who is Dave? My mom asked. She looked serious. My dad usually goofed around with me, but he looked serious too. At first, I pretended not to know. Oh, yeah, that guy, I started. I told my parents I found someone to be in a band with, and when they said Dave could be a creepy old man pretending to be young, I asked if he could come over to meet them first so they wouldn't have to worry. I told them how old he actually is, but they said no way. That's driving age, my dad said. They didn't get it. I'd never ever find another Smashing Pumpkins fan around here, plus I'm way more mature than most stupid 8th graders. Obviously, I wouldn't fall for some gross internet pedophile. Dave never asked me to send a picture of myself or anything, so for all he know, I could be an old man too. I was so mad, I felt like I was going to rip myself in half. I realized my stupid science teacher must have called my mom when she heard me telling Roya about my online boyfriend, which I only said to impress her anyway. It felt like my one chance to have a real friend and a band was ripped away. I kept making excuses to Dave about why we couldn't get together, and eventually I stopped seeing him log on to AIM. Right after that, I got an email asking for entries to a poetry contest. It didn't seem real, but I wrote a poem for it anyway. No one to hold, no one to be helped by, I'm so sad, I can't even cry. And hit send. They sent me a printed copy in the mail, and my mom read it. She asked why I wrote it, and I said it was just a dumb poem, and it was a made-up story. It wasn't real, which is kind of true. I was sad and mad at my parents again when I found out that Billy Corgan, the leader of the Smashing Pumpkins, had started a new band called Zwan. I found out they were playing in Boston in a couple weeks, and I saw tickets online. I begged my parents to let me and Roya or Colby go. They said a parent would have to go with us because I was 13 and Roy and Colby were still 12, but none of the parents wanted to chaperone. I figured my life was never going to start. All I wanted to do was go to shows and be in a band and make cool friends who like the same music. And clearly none of it would ever happen. I do know of some people who play music. At the end of eighth grade, I went on a school music field trip with the string orchestra. I started playing cello in seventh grade right before I got my bass because I liked classical music too, and I thought cello looked pretty cool. I like my cello teacher. 
He's from Georgia, which I didn't know is a country. And when he takes my crappy kid-sized cello and plays it to show me a part, he's so good that I feel like I'm going to cry. On the bus ride home, I sat next to another cello player, Ricky. He's really, really skinny and was always interrupting teachers and talking really loud about crazy ideas. I didn't know if he was talking about real stuff or making up stories. When we both pulled out our CD players, we decided to trade. He gave me his Jimi Hendrix and I gave him my Smashing Pumpkins. I liked the Jimi Hendrix, but it sounded kind of like old people music a little bit. He said he was learning guitar, and I told him I play bass. He's not in the orchestra this year, so he must have quit cello, I guess. The closest I've gotten to seeing what it's like to be in a band was when I went to this random band practice. Roya had started hanging out with the smokers at the bottom of the hill before school. She told me I should join her because it was a good place to make friends. But I had heard that sometimes kids smoked pot there, and I was worried someone would ask me to try, and then my parents would find out and murder me. Since they're nurses, they're constantly afraid I'm going to die and have told me all kinds of scary stories of kids my age that they've seen in the hospital who are brain dead from drinking or doing drugs, so I'm afraid to get anywhere near kids who do that stuff. Roya doesn't seem to be afraid of bad kids, though. I think she actually wants them to like her. But anyway, some of the kids in that group have this band called Beware of the Dog. They're junior guys, which means they're like two feet taller than us. I knew who they were from seeing them in the hallway. They always seem to be yelling or throwing stuff at each other, like they rule the school. I remembered seeing one of them pushing a girl against a locker and shoving his tongue in her mouth. I think she was into it, but it was still kind of weird. Couldn't remember ever seeing one of them with a backpack or textbooks or anything. Anyway, Roya somehow got herself invited to the bass player John's house, and I went along too. Roya said I should bring my bass to show John, and maybe I'd get to play his amp. When we got there, I realized it was just a normal band practice for them, and we were there to watch. Like stupid idiot groupies, aka the last thing in the entire world I want to look like. Roya had even put on her low-cut shirt and her shoes with heels because she said they made her legs look longer since she's really short and worried about looking stumpy. No one noticed my bass. I felt really embarrassed to have it and awkwardly fitted into a slot in the guitar stand. The parents weren't home. It was just us and these enormous-looking guys. I didn't like how the band played or how it sounded at all. The guitar distortion wasn't warm and fuzzy and thick like I like. It was sharp and thin, like a new metal style. The drum kit was enormous, with two bass drums and all these extra cymbals, and a bunch of them were broken on purpose to sound extra horrible or something. It was like he was playing a dumpster in trash cans. The music did nothing for me. The rhythm didn't make me want to move. We sat on the edge of the bed as they played. 
I looked around at the wallpaper. It was a pattern of Victorian-looking sketches of naked women with their legs spread open. I kept my knees tightly together and my eyes on the floor. John saw me looking at the wallpaper and told me it was there when he moved in here, but it seemed like he was okay with it. I barely moved, except I tapped my foot to the beat to kind of show I knew what was going on in the music. But in between songs, when they talked about their amps or guitars or the song parts or whatever, they looked away from us like we wouldn't get it. I felt stupid. It seemed like they were using music to make a wall between them and us, as if it was some magical ability they had because they were cool guys. At home, I felt totally in control and powerful when I played. I used music to feel good about myself. These guys were using it just to show off. I wanted to scream at all of them. I'm a musician, not just a dumb girl! After the band was done practicing, John took his shirt off to show off the claw marks on his back. He said they were from some freshman girl he had had over. I knew what that meant. We were freshmen. Then the drummer pulled a towel out of his bass drum to rearrange it and pointed to the spot that had blood stains from having sex with his girlfriend on her period. So during this conversation, I remembered that there weren't any parents home and we were in a soundproof-ish basement with four big, tall, older guys. I went into the bathroom to try to breathe normally. My chest was really tight and my palms were kind of sweaty. I tried to think of what I'd say if someone tried to make out with me or something, but I had no idea. I imagined that I'd get so nervous I wouldn't be able to say anything at all, and it would be my claw marks next. But just then... John, are you home? John, can you help me with something? Oh, thank God. When I came out of the bathroom, the other band members had gone home, so it was just John and me and Roya. John picked up my bass and played a slap funk bass line on it. I can't really play that kind of bass line yet. So standing there, I knew I wasn't half as good as I thought I was. If I was going to be in a band with guys, I knew I would have to be better than all of them, so I wouldn't look like a stupid girl. I'm worried it will take me a long time to be good enough. John did ask me if I wanted to try out his amp, but... At this point, there was no way I was going to play in front of him, not after all that. No, uh, no thanks. Um, no, I'm good. It's, no, it's cool. I guess it's not a big deal that I didn't play in front of him. It would be different with a band, I think. But then again, every time there's a chance of other people seeing me play, I've totally blown it. Like when I went to a Green Day show with Roya at the Centrum Center in October. First, Newfound Glory opened. When they came on stage, the chubby bass player took his shirt off and jumped up and down, and they all just looked so dorky. I hated the singer's whiny voice so much, so I decided to protest their terrible music. I hid in the bathroom the whole time they played and pushed my hands over my ears. Green Day started their set by playing songs from their new album, American Idiot. I hated all of those cheesy songs too, so I stayed in my seat while everyone else stood up. Billy Joe's eyeliner has gotten out of hand. Then they started playing the classics from Dookie, and I stood up. 
In the middle of one song, Billy said he was going to get people from the audience to come up and play the instruments. He started looking around for people who had their hands up. When he asked who wanted to play bass, Roya started jumping up and down and screaming her head off and pointing at me. Pick her! Pick Chelsea! Chelsea plays bass! Ah, Billy Joe! She got his attention and he pointed right at us. I imagined being on the stage, and within a second thought about how horrible I would feel if I couldn't figure out how to play the bass line, and how I'd look like a stupid girl and people who could actually play bass really well would be mad that I was the one who was picked. So I did what my body wanted me to do. I dove to the floor and got down on the ground, under the seats, on the disgusting soda and gum-covered concrete floor. Billy Joe picked someone else, and that was that. If I can't handle the idea of people looking at me while I play, will I ever be able to handle being in a band? Dear Young Rocker, Okay, so, first of all, anyone who makes you feel like you aren't good enough isn't worth your time or mental energy. But you still have to learn to deal with these kinds of situations because they're pretty common, unfortunately. Just know that when other people show off in front of you, it's because they're insecure about their own talents. It has nothing to do with you personally, so don't feel bad. Plus, you have so much anxiety and such complicated feelings about groups of people and whether you're in or out of them that you might have inflated how much you were actually being purposely left out in your head. I'd be interested to go back now and watch that scene from above. I know that high school boys tend to not be able to address girls in a normal way, in general, anyway, even if they mean well. I think John mostly meant well, even if he wasn't doing it right by showing off the claw marks on his back. And hey, maybe the boys in the new metal band felt intimidated meeting a cool girl bassist. As much as you doubt yourself and feel like a no one, it is still very possible that other people are intimidated by you, even though I can hear you sarcastically laughing at that idea in my head. See, you're already more than good enough to play in a band. There's definitely kids at your school who just started playing bass and are only half as passionate about playing music as you are. You've got the two things that matter the most in any art form, passion and the drive to endlessly work. Technique can never make up for a lack of those two things. Plus, a lot of bass players are really guitar players who are just filling the role and just play all over the place and have no sense of holding down the rhythm in a way that makes people's bodies move. You are a true bassist. Now, on to your other problems. You seem to have a real anger towards people who want to be in groups. As humans, we are naturally social. Our survival and a large part of our mental health depends on working as a group. So I think this anger is another case of you actually being jealous and protecting your feelings because it's easier to be angry than it is to be sad and lonely. You said you're above being in a group, but you actually desperately want to be in a band. And sorry, kid, but that's a group, and it's not all that fundamentally different from a friend clique, fans of a sports team, or even a church group. The point of all of them is to be together and to connect with other people, 
no matter what the medium actually is. So getting angry at people who want to be in any kind of group and calling them sheeple really isn't fair. They're just being human. I feel for you, though, because you also might be bitter toward groups because your family isn't a large, tight unit, and you haven't figured out how to fit into a friend group either. Making fun of family walks and game nights and hating the popular kids gets you off the hook for feeling sad about it. Which, even if you do feel sad about it, I know you would never admit it, except maybe in a poem. It's okay, though, because you have a powerful tool to connect you to others music. My greatest hope is that all of us weirdos find our own little nook, whether it's an art, a sport, playing video games, LARPing, doing drag shows, boxing, or whatever else that connects us to others. We have to realize that we aren't the only ones who feel alone, and that by recognizing that need in each other and reaching out, we can all really benefit, even though it is scary. Eventually, you will even find ways to talk to non-musicians, sort of, sometimes. I know normal small talk is a thing your brain can't really figure out and honestly never really does, but there are ways around that. As long as you're nice enough, people don't mind if you say goofy things usually. And if they do mind, screw them for being uncreative, whatever. Another thing. Trying to look like you aren't trying to look any certain way is still trying to look a certain way. You're still putting as much, if not way more energy into strategically planning what you wear. So doesn't that defeat your purpose? All the other kids in the school are just trying their best too and are probably insecure inside just like you. Yes, you are special and unique, but never ever think that that makes you fundamentally different or better than other humans. We're all stuck in this life together. Even the so-called sheeple do deserve empathy. Besides, it's impossible to please everyone at once. Trying to pick an outfit based on whether people will dislike it or think of you in a certain way is not really realistic. That method will just lead you to being a nothing yourself, which I know you aren't into because creativity and authenticity are so important to you. So dress like your weird self, please. Just be nice and accept other people doing their own thing, and you will be liked. It's not about the right t-shirt. No one could possibly judge you as harshly as you judge yourself, I promise. And the getting spooked by people coming out of a door thing uh, is just another terrible anxiety symptom. It sucks and it's embarrassing, but I promise it does go away eventually. Just like when you had that weird problem when you couldn't get on an escalator or an elevator for a couple years. And by the way, your mom saying 10 more pounds and you'll be perfect is total crap. Do not listen. You are perfect. Pounds have nothing to do with that. I can't wait for your next adventure, young rocker. Love, Chelsea. Next time on Dear Young Rocker, an opportunity arises for young Chelsea. But in order to take it, she'll have to overcome her anxiety. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis Productions and is executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. 
It was created and written by me, Chelsea Erson. I also wrote the theme song. Production, sound design, and additional music are by myself, James Bridges, and Sean Kahalen, who is also the audio engineer. Please subscribe and leave a review if you like the show so it can reach as many other young rockers as possible. You can follow me on Twitter at RockerDeer or Instagram at DearYoungRocker. And for more on my show and other upcoming shows, events, and merch, follow Double Elvis on Instagram. Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.